Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that we serve a risen Savior. I learned that song when I was a little boy, and Jesus is alive. The greatest miracle of all time is the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Historic biblical Christianity says that Jesus died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose bodily, victoriously, and eternally, that is, never to die again, from the grave. For three days, he was in the grave. Part of Friday, all of Saturday, some of Sunday, but he rose up on that first resurrection morning and he has never gone back to death. That's what we believe as Christians. And those who don't believe the bodily resurrection of Christ today are trying to demythologize the resurrection story and that's a fancy word for deny the resurrection story and say, well, his teachings arose, but the teacher did not rise. Well, his movement arose, but the master did not arise. I would say to you, baloney. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. And he is alive and he's in this room right now. And we worship him and we adore him and we thank God for him. And I want to give you out of this wonderful text of scripture. I love the gospel of Luke. You know, Luke wrote at, at the beginning, Luke and Acts were connected all the way through. And then over the years, they separated them. And Luke's gospel, Luke is the only Gentile writer in the entire Bible. And he wrote and he was a medical doctor and he had all of his facts, all of that lined up. When he put together his gospel, it was absolutely amazing. He added some things that the others didn't have, as each of them did, but he especially focused on evidence for Christ's resurrection in the 24th chapter of his gospel. So I want us to look at that. And let's talk about evidence for Jesus' resurrection. If someone were to say to you, why do you think Jesus was raised from the dead? I want you to have some answers. Well, here they are. The first source of evidence for Jesus' resurrection is the empty tomb. The empty tomb. There's no way that should have happened unless it was a supernatural miracle of God. Look at verses one through three. But on the first day of the week, that Sunday at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now there's no doubt that Jesus' tomb was empty on that first Easter resurrection Sunday morning. Eyewitnesses, went to the tomb early on that blessed day and they were going to serve a purpose. They were going to put spices and to put fragrant herbs on the body of Jesus, which is what they did in that day. But when they arrived, they discovered the stone had been rolled away, a massive stone that covered up the tomb. 
And they entered in the tomb, and Jesus' body was gone. Now, no one could have stolen that body, as later on the Jews would say, because there were strong guards who were watching over that tomb. And they would have to pay with their very lives if anyone were to steal that body. That's not what happened. Maybe the angel rolled the stone away to let Jesus out. I don't really think so because he was able to walk through walls. I personally believe it was not so much to let Jesus, the Son of God, out. You know, no stone would be in his way. I believe the stone was rolled away, not to let him out, but to let us look in. And I believe that it was the evidence of the empty tomb that God was wanting to show. I love one little touch that John's gospel gives to this. In John chapter 20, verse 7, it says that when they entered the tomb, they saw the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. What's that all about? Jesus made his bed. Don't you love that? He knew somebody was going to be looking, he made his bed. I'll just be frank with you. I don't like to make beds. Is that a shock to anyone in this room? But I made the bed this morning. My wife has been cooking and she's been preparing for all this company and everything. And so I, I just said, you know what? I'm going to make the bed. And I made the bed. But I did it, you know, to make her happy, all right? But Jesus did it to let you know that he's alive. He's alive. This was no random stealing of the body. Nobody would have folded all that up if they'd stolen the body. And nobody could have stolen the body because of the strong man. Oh, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection starts with an empty tomb. And then secondly, the second source of evidence for his resurrection is the angelic announcement. The angels had announced his birth and now they announce his resurrection. Look at verses four through seven. While they were perplexed about this, the ladies were, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Let's say that together. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 4 says, they were perplexed. Who does they refer to? We don't have to guess. We know because back in Luke 23, verses 55 and 56, we read this. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. They refers to these women. The women were the first to be informed about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now at the empty tomb, those same women encountered 
angels from heaven. Two men suddenly stood before them in dazzling clothing. What's that all about? When these angels would stand in front of God, the glory of God would be upon them, and so much so that when they appeared to a person on earth, it was so dazzling that it literally was almost blinding to them. And every time you see an angel appear in the Bible, people cringe. They pull back because they're reflecting the glory of God. Angels are not the glory of God. They just reflect the glory of God. And guess what? We can reflect the glory of God too. Abraham did and other Moses did. Other people reflected the glory of God and we can as well. But as they were doing this, Jesus had told them the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day, going to rise again. Those two women who were brave enough and tender enough to go to try to take care of the body of Jesus, who they thought was dead, they had a wonderful surprise. They received the angelic announcement, he is not here, he has risen. Oh, and we are still receiving that today. We serve a risen Savior. We don't serve some dead men. Every other religion serves dead people. We serve someone who died and was buried, but praise God, is raised from the dead and is alive right now. That's the difference between us and everyone else. That's the essential of Christianity. The angelic announcement made sure that they knew that Jesus was alive. And then the third source of evidence for Jesus' resurrection is the women's testimony. I tell you, women played a vital role on Resurrection Sunday. Look at verses 8 through 12. Just as the women were the first to see the empty tomb and to hear of his resurrection, the women were the first to tell of his resurrection. Look at verse 8. And they remembered Jesus' words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the 11. What's the 11? Well, it's one less than 12 because Judas has hung himself by this time. And to all the rest, indeed the women, not the men, were the first to speak of Christ's resurrection from the dead. And what would Christianity be if it were not for godly women? Look at verse 10. Now, they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But the apostles, and I understand why they, they, they didn't believe, they refused to believe the report of the women. It, it was just, they couldn't, they couldn't believe it. But these words, verse 11, appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe then. Oh, but then there was Peter. Peter who had denied the Lord three times. And the Bible says, gives us a little bit more information in John's gospel, that when they heard that the tomb was empty, Peter and John ran on ahead. John was younger. He outran the older Peter. And when John went there, he looked into the tomb, but not Peter. Peter had more skin in the game, if you will. He had denied the Lord and he wanted to know what was going on. So he didn't just look in. Peter went in. And the Bible says in verse 12, Peter got up, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. These women were testifying not only of the death of Jesus, but his resurrection. 
They were the first after Jesus' resurrection to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? We hear it all the time. What's the gospel? What is the good news? What is it? Well, Paul definitely understood the good news. And he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And he talked about the gospel and he tells us what the essence of the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Notice what he says. Look on the screen there. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. There it is. Which I preach to you. Oh, so the good news is to be shared. It's to be proclaimed which you also received. Oh, the gospel is something that's not only to be proclaimed, but to be received. In which also you stand. Oh, it will give you stability if you receive the gospel, by which you also are saved. Oh, I can have salvation. I can have all my sins forgiven if I receive this gospel that is proclaimed that makes me stand in the Lord. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered... I shared with you as of first importance that which I received. What I received when I received Christ, I shared with you. Now, here's the gospel. You ready for it? Here's the essence of the gospel. Here it is. That Christ, number one, died for our sins according to the scriptures. Old Testament said Messiah's going to die. Go read Isaiah 53. Go read Psalm 22. Messiah's going to die and that he's going to be buried. He was buried. And number three, he's going to be raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And if you don't preach a bloody cross for the sins of mankind, and if you don't preach a tomb where he went in there and he was really dead, and if you don't preach that he rose bodily and victoriously from the grave never to die again, you don't preach the gospel. But if you preach those things, the gospel is preached and the gospel is still changing lives all over the world right now. Oh, the women preached the gospel. He said, I don't like women preaching. Okay, the women shared the gospel. They proclaimed the gospel. Whatever you want to call it, they were the first ones to do it. Thank God for people who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And they know that they should share it. Oh, the women's testimony. That's the third source of evidence for Jesus' resurrection. And then the fourth. And to me, this last one, these are the most important ones. There are several of them here. The fourth and final source of evidence for Jesus' resurrection is the post-resurrection appearances. And there are several of them here. We'll look at four of them that are here in Luke 24. There are others in some of the other gospels. But these will be sufficient. Jesus rose from the dead and for 40 days he appeared. And listen to me, he never appeared to a non-Christian before he ascended to heaven. Regardless of what movies you see made, he only appeared to Christians. And he commissioned them when he would appear to them to take the gospel to the nations. And we see several of those here. First of all, I call the first one, it begins in verse 13, I call it the fellowship appearance. 
It's one of my favorite ones. It's about a, two people. I believe personally, very strongly, although I can't prove it, I just have to believe this was a married couple. And they were walking to the little village of Emmaus, away from Jerusalem, mourning the fact that Jesus had been crucified and was dead. And this is a post-resurrection appearance. Look at verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking, and as they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered, and I might say with an attitude, <laughs> and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? How many of you think Jesus was aware of what had happened during those days, amen? Yeah, better check that attitude, buddy. Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to sentence the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping he was the anointed one. We were hoping he was our Messiah. Oh, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this in the third, it is the third day since these things happened but also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, talking about Peter and John, and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish men. Wouldn't you like to know how many times God said that about us? Oh, foolish men. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. Throughout the Old Testament, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures, all the scriptures. Wouldn't you have liked to have been in that Sunday school class that day? Jesus the teacher, teaching about himself. What's the text? The whole Old Testament. And it's all about the messianic text in that beautiful section of scripture. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther and they urged him saying, stay with us for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. Have you ever heard the old hymn, abide with me, fast falls the evening tide? That's where it comes from. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, 
and blessed it. Our resurrected Lord would not put a morsel of bread in his mouth without thanking God for it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And then their eyes were open when he prayed. There was something about the way he prayed. There was something about the way he took that bread. Oh, they remember that. Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And verse 32, wow, get to know this verse. Look at that verse. Is that not a verse? They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining, literally opening the scriptures to us? Isn't that what you want when you wake up for Jesus to open the scriptures to you? and to burn in your heart so that all day long when you're out there and you're out with all these people and everything else, the word of God is just simmering and burning in your heart and you just can't shut up about it. You gotta tell somebody what you read, what you found out this morning reading the word of God. Oh, these two disciples, they recognized Jesus when he prayed and when he broke the bread and when he explained the scriptures to them. The fragrance of Christ was lingering over them. His presence was over them. They enjoyed sweet fellowship with the risen Lord. And you look at me. That's available for every Christian. You've got a Bible. If you don't have one, you've got access to one. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. Same Holy Spirit that was on this earth while Jesus was here is in you if you're a Christian. And when you read the Bible that was inspired by God, that word burns in your soul. And you have sweet fellowship with God. And there is nothing more precious than fellowship with Almighty God. You can have that today. Oh, thank the Lord for Christ's fellowship appearance. And then there's his forgiveness Appearance. Boy, we need that, don't we? Look at verses 33 through 35. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them saying, the Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. That's the group that they arrived at. And so they responded in verse 35, the people from Emmaus, they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Here we read of Jesus appearing to Simon Peter alone. Now we read about that in John's gospel, a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus in John 21, where three times he said, Peter, do you love me? Three times. It literally broke the heart of Peter. But it was in that moment of confrontation. I don't mind babies. I'm, I'm great with them. They're okay. Please, please, if you got a baby, keep him here. It's fine with me. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter was forgiven. I'm talking to people here today that need to be forgiven. There's somebody out there and you say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done. God does. But I don't. But I want to say this to you. I know what I'm about to say is true. What he has done 
is greater than what you have done. And what he has done is send his only begotten son to die on a cross and to pay the penalty for your sin. And you have not done anything too bad that he won't forgive you if you'll ask him to forgive you. This beautiful text that we're reading about Peter is a forgiveness appearance. And I just want you to know there's forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ today for anyone and everyone in this room and those watching online. Whatever you've done, Christ will forgive you. And then, finally, there's the commission appearance. Not finally, we've got one more. Commission appearance. Look at verses 36 and following. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit, a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do, you, do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet. It's I myself. Touch me, see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have, have you anything here to eat? And he gave him a piece of a broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And again, I would, ask, I would tell you, that's a great prayer to pray sometimes when you're reading a text and you, it's just not, it doesn't make sense to you much. And there's times that happens. Just say to him, Lord, open my mind that I might understand the scriptures. And the Bible says, he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance, now here's the, here's the proclamation part, repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending forth the promise. That's the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you. But you're to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And they waited. Jesus ascended back to heaven. We'll see the ascension in just a moment. And they waited for 10 days. They prayed for 10 days and the Holy Spirit came. And then they started proclaiming the gospel and they have not stopped because we're still proclaiming it here today. The gospel has been proclaimed and it's because Jesus, when he appeared, he gave a commission and his commission is for you, not just for preachers, but we're all proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the way it should be? You know, when somebody does something nice for you, shouldn't you tell somebody and say thank you to them, but tell other people about it? Well, Jesus has done for you what only God could do. You need to tell somebody about it. You need to tell somebody that Jesus has forgiven you. Oh, the commission appearance. And then finally, there's the ascension appearance. Look at verses 50 and following. And he led them out as far as Bethany. We named one of our daughters, our youngest, after this little town outside of Jerusalem. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Why did he lift up his hands? What did they see when he lifted up his hands? The scars, the nail scars. It's kind of like 
You wonder if I love you? You wonder if I'm in control? And he blessed them, the Bible says. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And he was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. You say, well, what happened after that? Go read the book of Acts. And then read church history. But Jesus ascended back to the heaven. He's still alive. He's pardoning lost people. He's praying for Christians. He's preparing heaven. And he's getting ready to come back. I'm here to tell you today that the same Jesus that did all of that is in this room right now. He's in this room right now. And he wants to be in your life. He doesn't just want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. He wants you to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He really is alive.